The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five! High Five! Casino! Casino! Win at High Five Casino! High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. I'm going out with the girls this weekend. Nails done. Outfit stunner. And my skin? I know it's going to be glowing because I glammed up my shower routine with new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash. It smells so luxurious and deeply moisturizes with its super rich, creamy lather that's bursting with vitamin B3 complex. So my skin glows and my confidence grows. Try new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash for glowing skin in just 14 days. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You stand in line. Ahead of you, dozens of other ragged figures stretch up to the horizon in the looming edifice of the Canadian border station. You're cold, of course, but so is everyone. You all shiver together. The sound of chattering teeth is louder than the few muffled conversations you hear around you. Almost no one is in any mood to talk. Everything you own is stuffed into your backpack. Fleetingly, you think about your old TV, your gaming consoles, the comfy couch you used to relax on while watching Netflix. Netflix. You almost tear up, thinking about it. You can't remember the last time you relaxed, the last beer you sipped, the last good meal you enjoyed. A cold wind blows across the line, and you feel it most acutely in the bit of shrapnel that's been buried in your shoulder for the last several months. Every twinge of pain it brings you is, rather ironically, a reminder of how lucky you are to have gotten out alive. There's been very little news from home since you fled. The little bit you've received, during snippets of time when you've had both power and electricity, has been dire. Most of your friends have gone dark. You try not to think about what that means for them. It's taken three long, hungry, unshowered weeks for you to reach the border. Your body is at the edge of its endurance. For the last several days, you felt perpetually on the edge of collapse. But now, with the border in sight, you've been filled with a peculiar new energy. You made it. You're going to survive. 
You watch as a van rolls up from the Canadian side of the hastily thrown up border barricades. A film crew steps out. A reporter begins chatting to some of the people who've already made it through. You can't hear what they say, but you can guess the questions well enough. It makes you think back to times, years ago, when you lazily flipped through TV channels and caught footage from some mainstream news station of a journalist talking to Syrian refugees. You doubt you watched the story for more than a few minutes. Now you wonder about all those people, where they are now, how many of them are still alive. The line moves, slowly but surely, and in time you're just a couple of people away from the border guards. In front of you is a family of five. The mother clutches the family Bible, holding on to it as if for dear life. The father has a crucifix hung around his neck. You think relatively little of this. You grew up in America, after all. But the border guards seem to pick them out as suspicious. Several of them crowd around the family, hands warily on holstered guns. As you watch, their bags are unceremoniously emptied out and searched, layers of clothing stripped off of even their bodies. You're confused for a bit. The other families passing through hadn't been subjected to that kind of treatment. And then you think back to a few days ago, hanging out in that bus station in Montana, the last time you'd been able to charge up your phone and find some Wi-Fi. There had been a terrible shooting in Vancouver. Half a dozen Christian Dominionist terrorists from America had smuggled guns up, probably from somewhere in Washington. They'd hit up a concert venue, killing dozens and dozens of people. For a moment, you're ashamed that it took you so long to remember that attack. You realize that it didn't really stand out to you at the time. Your last few months have been filled with violence so much more extreme and indiscriminate that the news of this tragedy just sort of rolled over you like morning fog. It didn't even stick in your head. You notice now, though, that the Canadian soldiers and border guards manning this crossing look conspicuously less friendly than you'd expected. Friendly is, of course, the first word that comes to mind when you think about Canadians. But these men and women seem anxious, jittery, and perhaps even a little bit angry. After a long search, the family ahead of you is walked through the border crossing. Border patrol men follow them in, and they're led to a separate waiting area from the other refugees. The line moves up. You step forward, that much closer to safety. You look up at one of the guards. He glares back at you, and, once again, you feel less certain about the future. What, stereotypically, is an American? I've spent a lot of time traveling, and I've made friends from all around the world, most notably Israel, Serbia, Germany, France, England, and Iraq. So I hope you'll forgive my arrogance in starting with my own opinions on stereotypes about Americans before we get into a little bit of research. We Americans are, first and foremost, seen as a loud people. Most foreigners I know have emphasized that about us. Americans have a reputation for being fun, too, great party-goers. Uh, we're seen as passionate and, of course, fat. That's definitely another stereotype. And we are, uh, obviously, seen as a heavily armed people. When I first started traveling and people would find out that I came from Texas, many of them would ask if I owned guns, which I did and do. I can remember one particularly poignant conversation I had with a Venezuelan man in a hostel in Belfast, Ireland. It was three or four days after the Sandy Hook shooting, in late 2012. Now, Venezuela has and had plenty of problems with violence and a nightmarishly high murder rate. But I'll always remember the confusion in this guy's voice when he said to me, But nobody shoots up a school. Nobody does that. So maybe add that to the list of stereotypes about Americans. An awful lot of us are willing to shoot up schools. 
I found a fun CBS News article, How Americans Look to the Rest of the World, and I figured some of those anecdotes would be good to pad out my own experience in the matter. I want to read two, one from an actor in Toronto and another from a retired banker in Copenhagen. Quote, the first word that comes to mind when I hear the word America is arrogance. They are big and loud, and they are in charge of everything. And the next, capitalism, money rules everything, overweight people, Donald Trump, elections, shootings. Now, one thing that's interesting to me about this article is that while positive opinions did outnumber negative ones, people from nations generally considered culturally closer to the United States were more likely to refer to us as arrogant or violent. Here's a representative opinion on Americans from a 26-year-old in New Delhi. Has a very liberal culture, great people, and a country that drives innovation. Another interviewee from the Philippines said, America welcomes all different races. That's what she believed about us. It's interesting. Food for thought, at least. Why am I talking about all this? What does it have to do with the Second American Civil War? Well, what are some stereotypes you know about Iraqis? Afghan people. Syrians. We don't fight, we don't ride, even when the war's outside our door. High Five Casino Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant. AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. Dad deserves something really nice for Father's Day. But let's face it, we usually don't do it. Big gifts are for Mother's Day. Picking something up on the way is for Father's Day. Well, let's make Father's Day something this year with the Bartesian Cocktail Maker. It whips up over 60 premium cocktails on demand, each ready at the push of a button. And right now, you get $50 off the Bartesian Cocktail Maker when you buy one pack of Dad's favorite cocktail capsules. Dad will publicly love that you saved 50 on the countertop machine that crafts premium cocktails on demand. And he'll secretly love that you splurged on him for Father's Day with the gift of a Bartesian. Because the only thing that lets Dad know he's the world's number one dad better than a world's number one dad coffee mug is an artisan cocktail in his hand. Make dad's Father's Day and Father's Day cocktails with all natural juices and bitters without making any mess at all. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N dot com backslash father to get $50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian. Premium cocktails on demand. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Wars mean refugees. It is one commonality that literally every conflict in modern history shares. If there is shooting in American cities, if there are bombings in the hills and on the highways, there will be people who flee. Many of them will become internally displaced within the country, fleeing bombed-out neighborhoods and unsafe chunks of the country, ahead of growing militias and insurgent groups. Now, you probably don't know much about Syria in 2010, the year before the Arab Spring. That's fine, until pretty recently I didn't either. That year, Syria was one of the fastest-growing lower-middle-income countries in the world. It was host to a huge amount of tourism and agriculture, decent industry, healthcare and college were free. It had a dictator, Bashar al-Assad, but he was widely seen as at least a mild reformer. Things seemed to be slowly opening up. When I was 18, in my first year of college, I took two semesters of Arabic from a Syrian professor named Yasser. Yasser hailed from Aleppo, and he was deeply proud of his city. He taught us about how it gave birth to the alphabet, he spoke lovingly and at length about its beauty, about the wonderful food. He introduced me to Arabic coffee, and thoroughly convinced me that Syrians were better at brewing the drink than anyone else on this planet. I've traveled through a decent chunk of the Middle East now, and I still believe that. The war began in 2011, five years after my classes with Yasser. By 2015, more than three million Syrians had fled the fighting for neighboring countries like Lebanon, which is considered, by me and only me, to be Syria's Canada. 2015 was the first year my journalism intersected with the Syrian civil war. A few days after my trip to report on the war in Ukraine, I found myself crossing the Hungarian-Serbian border on foot. One million Syrian refugees made it over to Europe that year, and the bulk of them traveled on foot from Greece up through the Balkans and into Western Europe. We spent a couple days on the refugee trail, watching endless, unbroken lines of refugees trudge closer and closer to their ultimate goal, usually Germany or somewhere in Scandinavia. A huge number of these people spoke English. They were just normal people, like anyone you'd meet on the street. Many of them had smartphones, which they used to show me pictures of Bashar al-Assad's war crimes. Some of them were young men, fresh college graduates who saw no future in their home country and hoped Europe could use their skills in medicine, engineering, or whatever. Other young men were fleeing the draft issued by the government. I met one man who'd been a pilot for the Syrian Air Force. He'd grown tired of bombing his countrymen. I don't think I've ever met a man with older eyes. I wrote an article about the things these refugees told me for crack to the side I worked for at the time. Ben Shapiro of the Daily Wire wrote an article too. His article was titled, the left keeps saying all Syrian refugees are Western-friendly. They should learn to read. The crux of his argument was that Syrian refugees were not compatible with Western society, since only 73% of them were totally negative on ISIS. Quote from Ben. So what does this all mean? It means that the evidenceless picture of all Syrian refugees as Western-friendly doesn't hold water. But don't look for the media or the international left to pay attention to such facts. After all, these are the same people who keep stating without evidence that only a tiny minority of Muslims hold extreme views. When fact conflicts with pretty fiction, the left chooses its own pretty fictions every time, which just means that more Westerners will die. And this brings me back to the point I started this episode with. 
What are the rest of the world's stereotypes about Americans? And how will those stereotypes evolve after several years of escalating violence, insurgent attacks, and terrorist murder? Once insurgents start bombing highways, shooting cops, and assassinating politicians, once separatists start fighting against the government and whole cities are beyond the reach of the law, once the Second American Civil War really gets going, the violence will not stay contained to our shores. In June of 2014, the forces of the Islamic State captured Mosul, the second largest city in Iraq. ISIS is generally portrayed in Western media as having sort of come out of nowhere, but that is not the truth. In Iraq, it evolved out of long-standing hardline Sunni dominionist movements. They framed themselves as resistance against both the growing secular aspects of Iraqi society and their long-standing religious nemeses, the Shia. In Portland and in Dallas, in Cleveland and Northern California, I have seen angry, heavily armed men preach their desire for a Christian-dominated United States. The crosses tattooed on their arms and sewn onto their body armor were just as prominent as their 3% tattoos and Confederate flags. Right now, an American traveling abroad might face uncomfortable questions about Donald Trump. Imagine what an American fleeing from Texas might face as he tried to enter the EU or Canada in the wake of a series of brutal Christian nationalist pogroms against LGBT Americans. If you remember, Omar Mateen's ISIS-credited mass shooting at a gay nightclub was used as justification by the Trump campaign for why Syrian refugees should not be accepted into the United States. A few months after my time on the refugee trail, in November of 2015, a handful of ISIS commandos carried out a brutal attack on Paris, killing more than 130 people, most of whom were concert glowers at the Bataclan Theater. According to ISIS, the attack was retaliation for French airstrikes in Syria and Iraq. Now, as imaginative as I can be, I have a hard time seeing France or Canada or any other country carrying out airstrikes on the United States. We have nukes, for one thing, and that's really the only thing that matters when it comes to discouraging airstrikes. But I can't imagine other countries providing financial aid to the struggling federal government as it battles to maintain control. I can imagine them sending in peacekeepers and humanitarian aid to try and save gay people and people of color in areas threatened by white nationalist or dominionist violence. And I can imagine Christian terrorists striking back at them with attacks similar to the ones launched by ISIS. And if that happens, millions of American refugees might find themselves judged by the actions of a few of their most violent countrymen, just as the Syrian and Afghan refugees I met in 2015 were judged by the actions of a handful of terrorists, most of whom were not even from Syria or Afghanistan. By 2015, after four years of civil war, nearly five million Syrians had been forced to flee their homeland. Syria's pre-war population was just 23 million, if our imagined Second American Civil War grew to anything approaching that kind of intensity, and a proportionate number of Americans were forced to flee the fighting, we could see as many as 80 million of our countrymen and women made refugees. Now, most of these people would stay within the bounds of the United States, becoming internally displaced persons. In Iraq, the acronym IDP was used for the folks who'd fled from the fighting in Mosul and other areas captured by ISIS. Most IDPs were herded into vast tent cities— living in canvas and provided for by the UN Humanitarian Crisis Relief Organization, and eating food provided by the Qatari Red Crescent. They brought what they could carry, and nothing more. We don't fight, we don't ride, even when the war's outside our door. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. Welcome to Burger King. 
Mr. Yippee, would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone! Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games! Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your High Five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create. Dad deserves something really nice for Father's Day. But let's face it, we usually don't do it. Big gifts are for Mother's Day. Picking something up on the way is for Father's Day. Well, let's make Father's Day something this year with the Bartesian Cocktail Maker. It whips up over 60 premium cocktails on demand, each ready at the push of a button. And right now, you get $50 off the Bartesian Cocktail Maker when you buy one pack of Dad's favorite cocktail capsules. Dad will publicly love that you saved 50 on the countertop machine that crafts premium cocktails on demand. And he'll secretly love that you splurged on him for Father's Day with the gift of a Bartesian. Because the only thing that lets Dad know he's the world's number one dad better than a world's number one dad coffee mug is an artisan cocktail in his hand. Make dad's Father's Day and Father's Day cocktails with all natural juices and bitters without making any mess at all. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash father to get $50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian. Premium cocktails on demand. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. In the event of a second American Civil War, the government would do its best to take care of millions of displaced citizens. But in the midst of a war and a failing economy, I do not think these camps would be overwhelmingly pleasant places. My mind is drawn to the treatment of the homeless in modern America. We, as a culture, sort of suck ass at taking care of our needy in good times. A government prosecuting a brutal internecine war probably wouldn't win any awards for cleanest, best-fed refugee camps. Stories of these miserable places would spread, as millions of other Americans watched anxiously and considered whether or not they ought to flee themselves. Increasing numbers of us would seek shelter in Canada or northern Mexico. The rich would flee first, of course, probably to Europe. They would have the resources to pay their way into visas and replant their lives in cities like Berlin. The first wave of vulnerable refugees, activists, people of color, gay and trans individuals, 
would also probably have a relatively simple time earning refugee visas in places like Europe. But as the number of fleeing Americans increased from thousands to tens and hundreds of thousands, and eventually to millions, the world's patience with us would wear out. Stories of terrorist attacks by American extremists would color world opinion of us. Canada is the world's seventh most peaceful society. Iceland is the world's most peaceful society. Most European nations are fairly high on that list. The United States, however, is currently number 94. We will not rise higher during a second American Civil War. One of the people interviewed in that CBS article about world stereotypes of Americans was a 39-year-old from Toronto. He said, What identifies an American? Loudness. All of the Trump stuff in the U.S. has been depressing. You would like to think people are smarter than that, but definitely surprising and depressing to see how much support he has and how much support his ideas have. Imagine how this guy's opinion of us would harden after stories of gay people being gunned down or burned alive by Christian nationalists, after terrorist bombings from eco-fascist cadres, after right-wing militias and leftist guerrillas shoot up whole neighborhoods. How long will it take that guy, and millions of Canadians like him, to go from Americans are loud and kind of annoying to we need to shut down all American immigration until we figure out what's going on. Now, that might have been a good note to end this episode on, but the unofficial motto of this show is it can always get darker, and it's about to, because human beings will not be the only people displaced by the Second American Civil War. There are, currently, roughly 180 million cats and dogs living in the United States. Their numbers are actually close to even. Cats outnumber dogs by around 5 million or so. Both species are capable of surviving on their own, or at least certain members of both species are, but they seem to vastly prefer life with human beings to life without. If you're listening to this, the odds are pretty good that you have a pet, a cat or a dog or both, or possibly several of both, and you certainly love them as much as they love you. Right now, it may be impossible for you to imagine abandoning them. Perhaps you would try to take them with you, as the mortars started falling on your neighborhood, as the death squads broke through to your street as the government helicopters began raining hellfire down around you. But most of you would leave them. I know that because I know the citizens of Avdivka, Ukraine, loved their cats and dogs as well as you do. But when the Russian-backed separatists started pounding the town with 155mm howitzer shells and grad rockets, the ones who could leave, the young and the moneyed, left. And many of them left their beloved pets behind. There was simply no other option. War does not stop. Or your sentiments. And so, as the town of Evdivka emptied of human beings, it filled with abandoned animals. Cats and dogs hid, at first in the abandoned homes of their masters. But once it got too cold, they began to congregate around the heating pipes that ran from building to building, providing the central heating necessary in Ukraine's unbelievably harsh winters. The junction boxes where several of these pipes met were particularly popular, and the remaining denizens of Avdivka, mostly older people, started setting out food and building small shelters for the abandoned animals. It was not lost on me, when I visited in 2015, that while human beings murdered each other a mile away, cats and dogs had learned to get along and share the same home and food. One optimistic thing I can tell you is that, for all the violence and bloodshed a second American Civil War would bring, I suspect there would be numerous figures on every side, leaders of right and left-wing militias alike, who would take time out from the fighting to care for abandoned animals. In 2013, I read a fantastic article on the conflict journalism website War is Boring about a Syrian rebel commander named Jamal. 
I'm going to quote from that now. He commands rebel forces in the ruins of an ancient mountaintop village in northern Syria. He daily dodges bombs and rockets from regime warplanes and silent, invisible bullets from enemy sharpshooters. He leads his men in battle unarmed, equipped only with a walkie-talkie for issuing orders. He also rescues abandoned cats, hundreds of them, hiding out in the ruins of Araha, one of the most important battlegrounds of the three-year-old Syrian civil war. Jamal was a farmer in his mid-50s when the war started. He was just a normal man with a love of animals who found himself thrust into vicious fighting. And when he wasn't fighting, he fed and cared for countless kitty cats left behind by their owners. Quote, The felines are everywhere, slinking into rebel bunkers to meow at officers conferring over radios, rolling in the sun-baked dirt between mounds of rubble, lounging under trees sheared of their branches by gunfire and artillery, an accurate count is impossible, but during our day-long visit in early October, we saw scores of them in just one small section of the village. Jamal loves cats. Who doesn't, he says, indeed. His family, his wife, two sons, and two daughters, have two cats of their own at their home in southern Idlib. When his forces occupied the mountain village, they found almost no people, but countless hungry kitties. The rebels in Araha survive on canned tuna, sardines, and processed meat. And now, so do the cats. As I write this episode... Russian and Syrian warplanes are currently pounding Idlib, Jamal's home, with indiscriminate bombs from above. Jamal is almost certainly dead now, along with most of the courageous men and women who dared to defy Bashar al-Assad. But we will see his like again if a second civil war comes to this land and forces hundreds of thousands of men and women to fight a war they never thought would come. We know it's coming home, it's I'm Robert Evans, and I'm just exhausted from reading all of that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at I Write Okay. You can find this show on Twitter at Happen Here Pod, and you can find this show online at It Could Happen Here Pod.com. Our music, as always, is from Four Fists. The following is a high five moment from High Five Casino.com. Yippee, would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your High Five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Olay's new indulgent moisture body wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. 
Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 